Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of December 29th. I'm Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and Robert Holman. Guys, we're pre-recording this because of the holidays, so we're going to do something a little lighthearted this week. We are going to talk maybe a little bit of travel stories, some craziness on the road, because as we all know, we're on the road driving to track to track throughout the entire country, literally from January to December. Craziness is always happening on the road. But first, we got to get the definition. Robert, you use it all the time when we're at a racetrack in different parts of the, the country. Boondoggle. For the fans at home, the listeners at home, what does boondoggle actually mean? Well, a boondoggle, Derek, is a – first of all, this came up a few months back when, when we were doing a podcast and – I just said it was. I just mentioned something about a boondoggle, and and I, I think uh, Joshua and so and I don't know maybe Kevin. I don't know, but they didn't know exactly what a what a boondoggle was, and I I don't know that I'd ever looked up the definition of a boondoggle, but it's just a term that my grandfather always used when I was you know 10, 11, 12 years old when he would we would just go out riding around. He would, my, my grandfather was a, a big railroad guy. He worked on the on the railroads in Kentucky when he was a, a college age kid, and and uh, so we would lo- he loved to trains, and we would just go walk the railroad tracks, and we would he would literally just grab a pack of hot dogs and some buns out of out of like would stop the story, get a pack of hot dogs and buns, and maybe some sodas or cokes or whatever you call them, and. And we would walk the tracks looking for trains, waiting for trains to come by, just checking out the trains. And we would walk for, you know, a couple, as, I guess as a 10 or 11-year-old, it seemed like 100 miles, but, you know, for a, a mile or two or, or so. And he always had, I guess in his mind, he had these places where we would go. Uh, and he called, hey, let's go on a boondoggle. When he said, let's go on a boondoggle, I knew we were just going out riding around in the country looking for trains basically. And he would take these hot dogs and we would walk the tracks. And at lunchtime, we would just stop like a hobo on the side of the tracks, build a fire. And he would get some, he would build a small fire there on the side of the tracks. He smoked at the time, my grandfather did. And so he always had, you know, cigarettes and he had his uh, cigarette lighter and stuff. He would build a fire there. He would get a stick, whittle it down, put the hot dog on the stick and we just roast it there over the fire. He'd hand you a bun and you had a couple hot dogs for lunch. And then you, you know, put your fire out and go on about your business. That was a boondoggle to him. And the, the definition of a boondoggle basically is a kind of a pointless activity that, that you, that you go on or an activity that you pursue that has no real meaning. And, and so, he just called them, and, and my grandfather also, keep in mind that my grandfather worked for NASA. He was a, a rocket scientist, so I'm sure he was on pretty, a, a lot of boondoggles in his career, uh, working for the government like that. Uh, no offense to any government workers out there, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of, kind of, that's just what he did. And so uh, I know that's kind of a long story, but that's what a, a boondoggle was in his head. And so when I said boondoggle, I just thought that people knew what a boondoggle was. So, so there, there you have kind of the background of the boondoggle in, in my mind. And, uh, and I know that we have definitely all been on some boondoggles uh, throughout our career uh, for sure. And Robert, looking up on the dictionary.com, the meaning of boondoggle is a work or activity that is wasteful or pointless but gives the appearance of having value, which we all can agree. We probably have been in that situation when we've been on the road at Dirt on Dirt or maybe prior jobs to this. But since we're here at the end of the year, I like these good story times. And I will start with mine first. I remember 2013 Summer Nationals. I think we had like 10 or 11 races in a row. We get back. We get done with Florence, Kentucky. Great race. Uh, Scott Bloomquist won. We have to go to Terre Haute, Indiana the next day. And I think Todd Turner was there. 
don't get me wrong, I love the Summer Nationals. I am the face of the Hell Tour. But when I get to the racetrack and there is only 13 total cars in the pit area two hours before the green flag waves for hot laps, I just felt to myself or thought to myself, why the heck are we here? This is the Summer Nationals. We need at least 25 cars minimum to consider having a race. And when we only ended up with 14 late models, I think maybe 15, Marvin Burton, who I didn't even know was alive at the time, just showed up just to get that start money. It just made me realize, why am I here? But we had to be there because of the Summer Nationals. So maybe in my mind it was pointless, but it, it appeared to the people watching at home with the Summer Nationals Minute, uh, the people at the racetrack, the fair was going on. It made the appearance that it looked like I was doing something because it was a big-time race for all those people who haven't seen a Summer National race. But that was just one of the first ones that come, came to mind to me. It was just kind of a low point of the Summer Nationals because it was it was the last week of the Hell Tour, and I think that was the first year they bumped it to six, to six weeks. So you're just thinking to yourself, man, oh, man. This thing is long. So that's my uh, first boondoggle story. I mean, Todd, you were there. You can kind of confirm a little bit. Yeah, I, I remember us sitting around in the van. It's burning up hot, and we're just sitting there dying, hoping another car comes in. It was, it was a rough one. All right, Todd, you've been on the road for a long time. You've told me some crazy travel stories, at least some driving overnights, which, I mean, that's diehard from you. To put in perspective, maybe driving from Missouri all the way back to the Carolinas when you lived out there, eastern Tennessee. But uh, you got any good ones? Well, that's the thing. I I'm I think by nature I'm an anti-boondoggle person. I'm very pragmatic and like wanting things to be, you know, uh, fruitful and such. However, I guess you could argue, especially back in my days working at National Dirt Digest, I was boondoglish and that I would. I would map out the schedule and try to find the link, the craziest group of races together. And again, back back when I worked at National Dirt Digest, most of the higher, the biggest races were covered by other contributors and stuff. So often I was trying to kind of hit that mid-range regional series and see as many drivers as we could. And so the the, the race or the the trip that I most remember putting together was a great one. And uh, uh, I guess this was 2005 in late July and early August. And I'll just briefly tell you what my destination was. My destination was Peevely on a Wednesday night uh, for a mid um, a show won by Justin Allgaier. Thursday in Oskaloosa, Iowa for a race won by Al Humphrey. Friday, I was supposed to go to Humboldt, Kansas to MLRA race. Well, it got rained out. But, you know, in true boondoggle fashion, I cruised right down to Muskogee, Oklahoma to a Mars race to go to that. And then on Saturday night, it wrapped up at Lone Star Speedway in Kilgore, Texas. And then the next day, I drove back to North Carolina. So uh, my four-day stretch, it was uh, 2,333 miles, uh, 37 hours on the road. But I got all the races in. And everything got done right. So, you know, I, I avoided the boondoggle of the rain out. I do like the idea of the hot dog, though. I, that's one, I think that's one thing I, I might go wrong with my boondoggles, the hot dog and the hot dog bun. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of an anti-boondoggler in one way. But, uh, but you know, you got you to gotta roll with it whenever, whenever you're out, uh, out on the road, for sure. And then Kovac, I mean – there has to be a million stories with you because I feel like sometimes when you're at the racetrack, you're the face of boondoggle, you know, appears like you're doing, you know, just a little bit of nothing. And then all of a sudden you're stalling on your story back at the hotel or house, you know, you're always getting caught up in some different shenanigans at the racetrack. Well, the stalling of the stories is always because of all these, uh, the, the Derricks and stuff that just keep talking, you know, like they just make me, they, they suck me in to keep talking uh, when I'm trying to finish up. But uh, so that's kind of a boondoggle in itself. But th there's one uh, boondoggle. This was sort of a travel boondoggle, which is like, what what are we doing here? I'm like, what, do, we can't sleep or anything. But I re I remember the there was a World of Outlaws. This is when I was with the World of Outlaws uh, doing the PR, and and we had a race at Eldora Speedway. Uh, it was just two times that there was an outlaw race there, and uh, the race was uh, a giant 
thunderstorm hit before action started. I mean, it was a great field of cars. Some midweek, you know, it was a midweek show, or I think it was actually it was it was the night before. It was uh, I can't remember exactly what day it was, but um, I know there was another. There's races uh, several in a row in Ohio, and here we are. We're it, it poured so hard, but this is all the most tracks would have canceled. I mean, it probably <laughs> considering how the, 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 what happens afterwards, maybe we should have canceled, but Eldora, they're sticking it out. So we run that race and I don't know what time it ended, you know, after one in the morning, probably it was late. And the next night was at Sharon Speedway on the other side of Ohio. So this wasn't like just going, uh, you know, a couple miles, you know, a couple hours away. This was a, you know, a good four hour drive uh, across the state. And so uh, I was traveling with Tim Chrisman, who was the series director at the time. And we leave the track. Finally, it was it had to have been well after two o'clock, two thirty in the morning. And first, what we see is we saw we thought we saw a dead man uh, over by the uh, the the pit sign in outside of turn, you know, turns three and four. We walk over there. We're going to our cars parked over there your car parked over there. And there's a guy just laying underneath the, he was against the fence, against the building and underneath like where you signed in. And we're like, the guy didn't even look like he was moving. He was just laying there on the ground. And we're like, what, what's happened? What's wrong with this? We kind of went over to him and, and gave him a little kick, you know, just to be like, is this guy alive? Is he breathing? And he did, he kind of, he moved a little bit and he made a noise. We're like, Oh, okay. I guess he just had a long night. It was too much rain. See, see what happens when there's a rain delay like this. The guy had way too many uh, colds, I guess. And he was literally just passed out sleeping on the, on the gravel underneath uh, the sign in. So we're like, man, what this, uh, what, what, what a rough night for him. But it was still became a rough night for us because we had to get across the state and, our hotel that we had had booked was not, you know, it, it was on the eastern side of Ohio. So we had a heck of a ride. We weren't expecting to be leaving at 2.30 in the morning or 3 in the morning, whatever it was. So when we get to this hotel, not too far from Sharon, uh, we walk in to check in and it's probably 6.30, 7 in the morning. Everyone's coming down for their breakfast, you know. I mean, the whole breakfast area is full. And here we are, dirtied from Eldora all night, tired kind of hobble in. Oh, we'd like to check in. We had a room and like, they're like, well, it's checkout time. You can't check in now. It's too late. And we're like, what? No, and they're like, no, you can't check in. It's too late now. So we had to leave there. We're like, what do we do now? I guess. So then we, we had to do a, one of those uh, shower in the truck stop places, you know, like, I mean, I think it was, I think Chubb Frank even might've given a, he had some, some free showers and he said, here, take our free showers and you can go over to the truck stop down the road from Sharon and you could shower up there. And, and where we, when we just slept in the car a little bit, and I think I even take a nap. I, I asked McCready with the sweeteners plus hauler, can I just take a nap on your inside your hauler there for a few hours, a couple hours before the races start, because man, we were, we were dragging, but so that, and we're like, man, this, this is a lot to, lot to, not to just go to all these races, boy, with the fun, the fun of the road, I guess, uh, when you have a bunch of races together. Uh, but that, that's a boondoggle for me. A, I feel like that happens a lot throughout the years of <laughs> drivers, riders, workers in the industry, trying to get to a hotel and maybe one instance they gave it up because, Hey, you're not checking in yet. It's two in the morning. Other people are coming in. We gave it to them or B they're just, you know, they just forgot about you and they just say SOL shit out of luck basically. And yeah, at least T-Mac. And that's like the one good thing. There's always drivers, no matter what, which I'll give them a shout out. They're always willing to do, go the extra step for us. And can't be uh, more appreciative of that. Like Billy Moyer Jr. We used his hauler for summer nationals minute. Ryan Unzicker's giving me rides from Ohio back to Illinois for summer nationals. So give a shout out to the drivers and their crews for helping us out throughout the years. And Robert, the creator of Boondoggle, what's your uh, number one story that comes to mind? Well, both of, both of my trips to, uh, to Texas Motor Speedway in 2001 were, were definitely uh, Boondoggles. A boondoggle-ish. Um, basically, one, the the first time I, I went out there was in March, I think, to like a have a Tampa race or something like that. And they were racing with, the I think, the sprint cars. And I get out there, 
And I think the, the Supers were supposed to race like a Wednesday, Thursday, and the Sprints are supposed to race on Friday, Saturday, or something like that. But I get out there, and it is terrible weather. It's misting, and it just never clears up. And they decided to push the super late models to, I guess, the end of the week. And I wound up just basically sitting out there. This is when I worked with Todd at, at National Dirt Digest. And I, I actually called called back and like they pushed these races out for like three days. You know, they're not doing anything, you know, except running their sprints and then they're gonna run this at the end of the week. What do you guys want me to do? Do you want me to, you know, throw in the towel and come back or do you want me to stay out here? What do you want me to do? Well, you know, I'm in Texas already and it's a pretty long drive from Murphy to Fort Worth. And uh, I remember they just said, stay out there. And so for two days, I just kind of sat out there and watched it drizzle. I think one day I, I went over and um, watched the sprints and that was, I was very unimpressed. I didn't even stay and watch the feature. And uh, I left and came back to the hotel and kind of said, I went to Hooters a couple of times and, and then finally got to go to the main event, which uh, Jimmy Mars wound up winning on a, crazy rough racetrack it was just insane it was just jumping ditches and it was like a plowed field out there but i remember jimmy mars won the race uh so so that was the first trip in 01 that i went to to texas motor speedway dirt track and i got to watch one race in about five days while i was out there the next time i went out there was um i had to be out there september 13th for another, I think, have a Tampa race. And of course, this is 2001, September 13th, two days after, you know, 9-11. And our information, even though we had the internet at the time, information was not as free flowing as it is today. I uh, did not have a cell phone. There were no texts, messages, or anything like that for me at the time. So I kept, calling before i because keep in mind i had to drive from from murphy to fort worth and it's you know 1200 miles or something like that so it's not like i was going to drive it that day i had to leave a day early i kept calling and kept calling and kept calling are you sure you're racing are you sure you're racing they assured me that they were racing so i left at literally the last moment that i could could leave to go out there and and make it so i head out from murphy before i could even get to cleveland which is about i don't know 60 miles or less i can't remember something like that from Mur 30 30 40 miles uh, from murphy to cleveland tennessee i ran off the road just kind of was off the shoulder of the road which is typical for me in my driving if you ask anyone now too and on that road coming across the Koei there, you know, there's some sharp rocks and stuff. So I kind of ran just off the shoulder of the road, just barely on the, and I hit a really sharp rock and had a flat tire. So I had to change a tire on the side of the road there coming across the Koei, which is not the best anyway, shoulder wise. I had to change a tire. I remember a, a police officer, a state trooper, something rolled up to me and kind of kept the road, kept me, kept people off of me. So I changed the tire before I even got 30 miles from home, made it to Cleveland, bought a new tire and had it put on uh, like a Walmart or something, headed on out, made it to, to uh, Louisiana, no problem. I keep rolling across through there and I start seeing, you know, of course we know that Texas Motor Speedway dirt track is right there with the Texas Motor Speedway NASCAR track and they were supposed to have a NASCAR race that weekend as well. So I was just probably 15 miles across the Texas state line when I started meeting NASCAR haulers coming back, heading back east. I'm like, oh, great. So, you know, by that time, there was, of course, a no-fly ban, and, and NASCAR had finally fell in line with all the other major league sports and, and decided not to hold their event for the weekend. So what do you do now? Uh, no cell phone, no internet. I pulled off at the first exit I could find, called back to the office, and I'm like, 
can someone please call the racetrack and just verify? I said, I know they're not racing. I see the callers coming back towards me, but can you just verify that, that they're not actually going to have the dirt race? Because, you know, sometimes dirt promoters kind of go out, you know, in left field and kind of get a wild hair and decide we're going to race anyway. And, and so, but I just wanted to make sure that they were not going to have the dirt race at, at Texas Motor Speedway that weekend. So they called. I called back to the office in like 15, 20 minutes, verified it. So now what do you do? You are, I'm a thousand miles from home. And again, no internet, no cell phone. What I, what do you do? So I, I look at looking. Todd suggests, first of all, Todd, Todd is, I have to tell people out there, you guys listening, Todd is a great person to work with and work for because he is, he's, even though he he's just great to work with because he he's very easy to get along with and he's he'll guide you and say you know it's kind of up to you and whatever you want to do and 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 he you know it, it's he leaves a lot of the of the decision making up to us which is awesome and, and so he's great to work for and and so He's like, whatever you want to do. If you want to come home, come on back home. If you want to try to find a, another race, I can, you know, help you find another race or whatever. So there was nothing I could do that night. So I headed to, uh, I headed back to Louisiana, and and wound up going to Chatham Speedway for a Super Race uh, the next night, and maybe the maybe I was, yeah, I headed back. I remember I got to go to Applebee's and get something decent to eat, stayed in Louisiana, went to Chatham the next night to a super race. And, uh, and then I headed from there, I headed up to drove up from Chatham, Louisiana to Peavely, Missouri, uh, to a UMP $10,000 to win UMP race. And I know that that UMP race, I can't remember that, you know, Kenny Schrader and, and they, uh, they own that track there at uh, at Peavely at the time because I remember talking to Schrader and, and you know it was you have to keep in mind this is a very difficult time for for America and and you know it's two days after 9-11 the weekend after 9-11 and people people sometimes people just didn't want to talk about it people were very emotional uh people just didn't want to even though I mean it was very uh, a patriotic thing before each event I remember, you know, with with people just very emotional uh, time, you know, for the United States. Uh, but I remember Rob Litton won that race uh, up at uh, over the Super Race at Chatham. Then I headed to Peavely, in which uh, Billy Moyer won the race, and then uh, then I headed back home the next day. So by the time I got done with that whole trip, it seemed like forever, and it was uh, right. O- it was over twenty one hundred miles that I'd kind of made that circle and. And, uh, and so both of my trips to Texas motor speedway, I, I need another trip to Texas just to kind of wipe the slate clean and say that I've done it, you know, the right way. But, um, but both of my trips to Texas have been, have been boondoggles of sorts for sure. They, they've both for different reasons, but both of them have definitely been boondoggles. Yeah. And to make that drive all the way out there and demoralizing to see all those haulers and stuff driving back that had to be uh very painful there robert for you but you fought through it got to see two other races that weekend so we're very proud of you but todd you have a good story of sitting in a hotel room for like three days at knoxville with todd and amber or not todd amber michael and amber rain days like that where you can't go anywhere and you're in a tiny hotel during the crown jewel that that is the ultimate boondoggle, I feel like, because sometimes we're like in Florida, we get a rain out, but there's plenty of things to do. You're in Knoxville, Iowa. Yeah, that was a rough one because we just – it was one of those where you, you're driving up there and it's raining on us the whole day. And, of course, Knoxville is supposed to run three nights in a row and it's pouring on Thursday. Uh, it's clear you're not going to race. It's pouring on Friday. It's clear you're not going to race. Actually, Saturday looked pretty good, but we got out to the track. They get out there for hot laps and it rains again. And you look at the the radar map and there's like one little bitty green splotch right over Knoxville Raceway. So again, we push back all the way to Sunday. So instead of racing three nights in a row, we're sitting around at the hotel just, you know, it, it was miserable. I, I remember going to a bowling alley at some point and racers being at that bowling alley in Knoxville. We were clearly desperate at that point. 
but the Knoxville was shrunk to one day that year there at uh, there on Sunday. So that that was definitely uh, weather can definitely create boondoggles. I often remember, you know, you you go to one race and and all of a sudden, you know, Dustin Jarrett is the master of this of like looking at like well, where else can we go, and then you try to figure out all the races you can come to to salvage your weekend. Um, Sam Driggers told me a story one time, and this is this is a good boondog, and I've always wondered about this. Um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, he was uh, heading to race. I, I guess it was supposed to be a, U, a, a UMP modified race or something, out at, uh, and he was supposed to go to Solana. So, sure, he heads out on the road, and he is heading for Solana High Bank Speedway in Oklahoma. Well, about the time he gets there, he realizes he's supposed to be going to Solana Speedway in Kansas, which is unfortunate because they're several hours away. So Sam has the has to reach re, reroute and find uh, find his way to the correct track. But that's a that's a that's a boondoggle of sorts. I kind of ran into that one time when I was heading to Thunder Valley Speedway in uh, Pennsylvania once, which is near Central City, uh, kind of near near Somerset, Pennsylvania. When I was looking at my little, uh, this is the old Atlas days before I was using GPS, and on the the Pennsylvania map, there's you know a million tiny little uh, cities, and actually there's two central cities. When I'm looking at this Atlas, I'm like, oh my goodness, please tell me I'm not going to the wrong central city. And as it turned out, I was going to the correct place, but but uh, it was a moment of panic panic for me when I thought, oh my goodness, please tell me I'm not going to show up uh, show up at the wrong place. Thank goodness for Google Map app on your iPhone. What I'm used to, because ever since Amen. I started working in the race industry, we had those smartphones. So credit to you three for getting those atlases out looking where you're going, seeing your mistakes. If I got lost, I'd blame the, you know, the system on my phone. So wasn't really human there. And then Robert, what, raising your hand, what's up, buddy? I've gotten lost more because of Google Maps than I ever did because of an atlas. I just had, I was, I Googled, I left uh, Screven year before last, year before last. And I was trying to get north somewhere to my hotel. And I was, I had to go to, I had to be over towards Atlanta the next day. And I had Google Maps. And I'm telling you, the road kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller until I'm at a stop sign that tells me to go straight. And I'm looking at nothing but fields and a dirt road. And there's no hell, no way in hell I'm going across. I'm going, I'm like, there's no way. So I finally kind of zoomed in on it and like, you know, kind of zoomed in to see where the, where it was taking me to. And I'm like, okay, I can turn left right here and actually stay on the blacktop and go up to this next stop sign and turn back right and get, get over there to it. There's just no way I was driving across that, that, that dirt road because every road that I'd gotten on up through there had gotten smaller. Talk about a boondog. I didn't think I was ever going to get to my hotel that night. And that, that was, uh, Sometimes the the old would you agree, Kevin? Sometimes the old Google Maps uh, don't steer you in the right direction. Oh, no doubt about that. I uh, I had that exact same kind of scenario happen uh, one time. It just totally reminds me of uh, uh, this is another World of Outlaws days uh, travel with Tim Chrisman, where we got the GPS out. We're heading to Lebanon I-44 Speedway in Missouri. I'm just cruising along. I think we're, uh, you know, we're on like sort of a, you know, a, a two-lane country road, and it says turn right. You know, I, I think it looked like it was going to be a shortcut, like over across the hill or something. So we follow the GPS. We turn right. When we go down about a mile, and this road starts becoming more of a, of a dirt road. You know, gravel. And next thing you know, we there's only a house, like a house that looks like Hatfields and McCoys or something. You know, I mean. It looked rough out here. Uh, I th you could actually see out in the back. I think the road used to go like where this house was across the hill. No longer, though. We get down there. We, we're, we're almost pulling into this house, and all of a sudden, Cujos come out from the side. These dogs come running out, like just ready to like attack our car. We're like, damn, we might we might get shot here because we are not supposed to be on this road at all. It's this is not a road anymore. It's a driveway basically. 
and we got two crazed, rabid dogs, it looks like, attacking us. And we're like, let's get the hell out of here. We turned around and <laughs> we uh, we booked back the other way and, and got out of a, a rough territory. But um, that's what you get for following the GPS. We, we followed a GPS one time, too, and I'm uh, going to Tyler County Speedway. Just we, but we didn't realize that uh, it that we we there's a you know there's a couple things in there that you should a couple options that uh, you should take out like the ferries you know like to cross rivers like we didn't know that that was in there <laughs> because we come here and it says turn right and we're like well there's no bridge I mean where are we supposed to go you know it's like this I mean there's just there's a river there and we go down behind houses and stuff and there was actually a a ferry boat there that's how people got across the river i don't know probably 20 30 miles from the nearest bridge and it was only it was maybe two cars could fit on this ferry and we're like you know what let's go on it it's a little it's something we could tell a story about because what other what other chance are we'd have to go 20 30 miles to get to a bridge or we can take this ferry that comes across pretty quick it's not very busy and it wasn't very it was like 10 bucks or something to get across so we took the ferry boat and uh uh, it, it was something we could always uh, go back and talk about. Like, <laughs> it was, but that's uh, following that GPS, you never know where you're going to end up. And that's why I love going to racetracks you're familiar with. And me and Todd have always talked about this. You go to like the same restaurant. You go to like the same gas station. You're like, just getting that sense of routine. When I go to I-55, I know where I'm going to stop every single time on the, on, on the way there and on the way back. So when you go to a track repeatedly, you avoid those boondoggles because you're comfortable with your surroundings. But when you go to a new track, Kovac, and try to take a ferry, that takes some guts there. I will give you credit for that. That's a, that's a bold move there. And, uh, Robert, I know you have one more here. Well, this goes back way this goes way back this is back in 1996 when uh when i was uh i was 26 years old i was helping my stepfather's race team and uh we had a, a driver from alabama named bill mahan who was uh, 28 years old and we were we were good buddies we're close to the same age obviously and we almost like brothers as we traveled kind of the southeast just racing at regional regional races and we decide, and a lot of times, my, my stepfather. First of all, I have to have to throw out this disclaimer that my stepfather was an honorary type dude, and he was very hard headed. Uh, he could be, and he did not always travel with us. A lot of times, it was just me and Bill out on the road running, running to these at these racetracks. And anytime, anytime you're with your parent, imagine things aren't always as fun. Let me just put it to you like that. You know, even as for a 26 year old, when you're with out with your stepdad, things, things aren't as fun as they are when you're just, you know, out with your buddies. So we decided to run a, uh, to compete in a couple of Southern all-star races. Uh, the first one being at Penton Speedway down in Alabama on like a Friday night. And then we, we're going to come back up and run a couple of the Southern All-Stars had triple 20s at Talladega Short Track on Saturday night. And, I, you know, I love racing. It's It has turned into my, you know, my entire life. And so that it was in June. So that particular weekend, I actually, it was the same weekend as my family reunion, which is up in Kentucky. In uh, at Rough River State Park there over in Western Kentucky, which Todd I know is familiar with, and so I had, it was the first time I'd ever chosen to not attend my family reunion. I, I picked racing over, you know, going to the lake that weekend. So knowing that we are going to be at Penton and then come back to Talladega the next night, on our way through Talladega, we stopped and got a hotel room. And I don't even know the hotel is close to the Walmart over there somewhere, <clears throat> somewhere in Talladega. So we get a room. And if you know Talladega at all, you know, there aren't really, at least back in 1996, there weren't really a lot of places to stay in, in actual Talladega. And so, so we get us a room and we go on down to Penton, run the Southern all-star race. I, I, we ran seventh or eighth, had a decent night there. And, and we, and, and my stepfather, always wanted to drive because 
I'm using air quotes right now for those who cannot see me. It's he wanted to to drive because it was his truck. You know, it's his truck. It's his truck and trailer. It's his rig, whatever. So he's going to drive it. Well, we left Penton, and he never. I don't think. I'm not sure if he ever got over 35 miles per hour. So we we leave Penton at a you know midnight or whatever, and about four or five miles outside of Penton on this little two-lane road. He's going so slow. I remember Danny Peoples comes flying by us. He passes us on this two-lane road, clearing out ditches, just whoop, zips by us because we're basically holding up everybody. So the and the more that you told, you you would say to, to Jimmy, my stepdad, you'd say, you know, Jimmy, oh, Lord, can you please speed up? I swear he he deliberately would slow down if you asked him to speed up. So but we finally get to our hotel room back in Talladega a couple hours later. We pull into it, and there is an entire block party going on at this hotel. I mean, people hanging over the rails. Every other door is open. I mean, it is party time. There's, I bet there's 100 people just on the rails and in the parking lot and stuff. And keep in mind, we had a, a, a dually truck and an open trailer, and we were, we were a, a tire dealer back in the day. So we had about 50 tires in the back of our truck and our trailer, 50 new tires, and no way to lock it up, nothing. So we rolled through there, and he, I remember him rolling in there real slow, looking around, and it's like, he's just like, oh, shit. You know, he's like, there's people everywhere. You know, he's like, we just rolled through the parking lot, even though we had a room, had keys. Fortunately, I hadn't taken my clothes inside because he didn't even stop. He rolled through the parking lot, made a circle, and just pulled right back on the road and kept going. It's Keep in mind, it's 2 in the morning already. We're a little tired. We're gassed. So now he has left the only place that we were planning to stay. We have no other place to stay. We've got to be at Talladega the next day, you know, to run another Southern All-Star deal. Where your fellows want to go? And I'm sitting here thinking, I wanted to go to that place. I wanted to go back there where my bed was is where I really wanted to go. So we head out to Anniston, which is about, you know, 20 miles away. We're going down the interstate again, 35 miles per hour. Trailer trucks blowing the horn as they go by, you know, just flying by us. We're, I'm just praying we don't get ran over because he will not go any faster. We finally get to our hotel. We finally get to a hotel in Anniston at six in the morning. And at 6 a.m., I'm not sure if you realize how far it is from Penton to Talladega to Anniston, but it's not a six-hour drive. But we get there at 6 a.m. We finally we get a room. We go in and sleep. We sleep till about 10, 11 the next day. We get up. We wash the race car. We head on up to Talladega to run triple 20s. And you have to keep in mind that the premise of running triple 20s, if you don't make the first race, you don't really get to run in the second two. It kind of ruins your night. Well, we did not qualify for the first race. After we did not qualify for the first race, we went ahead and loaded our stuff up. By the time the third race came around with some cars had fallen out, they were, they called for us, you know, as an alternate and we, we're going to be able to start the third race from the back there. And we'd already loaded up and, and we weren't going to unload. And, but unfortunately, if you also remember Talladega short track back in 1996, you pitted in the middle. And I know Todd can remember, I don't know if Kevin is ever there when you pitted in the middle, but Todd can remember pitting in the middle at Talladega short track back in the day. So we're pitted in the middle. We don't make the race. We don't run the third race and we can't get out of the pits. So we're basically stuck there until everything is over with, didn't get to race, and then had to drive three and a half hours back home that night. If that's not a boondoggle, we were out driving around all night long, left our only freaking hotel room, and then we don't even get to race where we went to because we didn't make the show. That's a boondoggle that I will end. Keep in mind, I for I gave up going to my family reunion where I could have been at the lake all weekend. For that, I gave up the lake to not make a dang race at Talladega Short Track. So 
that's a boondoggle from back in the day when I was just a kid. So, uh, and it is, was not, was not a fun weekend. Yeah. I mean, that just sounds absolutely horrific. I'd rather be at the lake. No doubt about that. As Mike Norris would say, Todd, me and you were fresh out, but Kovac was pinning me. He has one more good one about the great state of, uh, Nebraska. What happened there, Kevin? Uh, I just I'm always going to remember this one. Uh, this was another one during World of Outlaws days with uh, Tim Chrisman and I traveling together. We, uh, you know, had some good uh, had some good road stories, I guess. But this was during the Wild West tour in 2008. You know, so we were got to remember now I'm, I'm going to talk about like Nebraska part, but we were on the road already for a week. Uh, we started Deer Creek. We went to River Cities and Deer Creek, Minnesota, went to River Cities, North Dakota, then went to Estevan. Uh, Saskatchewan, which I mean, like, and also as a sidelight, there were plenty of boondoggles uh, along the way on this whole whole Wild West trip. I mean, like, just like with race teams and stuff. I was just re- like, uh, as this was the year that the um, <laughs> the Isabel family from New York uh, ran uh, the Outlaw Tour, and I mean, I've told some stories about the Isabels before, and they had some crazy stuff happen to them, and. And like we could say, there was a four-hour drive from uh, River Cities to Saskatchewan for the next night overnight trip through the northern, uh, 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 the northern border basically of North Dakota. And their trailer it was 40 mile power winds that night. Felt like winter. And their trailer, whole side of their trailer ripped apart. Like we we passed them on the highway, and the whole side of their trailer had just come off and we're like what is going on with them and then we went to williston north dakota on on the next day and again the the isabels had a problem you know there they had gone to they had a road rage incident with uh, some people when they went with their with their pickup truck to the walmart and they slammed the brakes on to you know make because they didn't like the person dra- traveling behind them and their four-wheeler went smashing through their back of their pickup truck windows because they hit the brakes really hard I mean, so this, I mean, it was just a, a things, all kinds of things with the Isabel. We could do a whole episode on the Isabels uh, and their travel things, but uh, anyway, we get to get to Williston, Williston, North Dakota. They also have the drivers didn't want to race after the hot laps because it was already rubbered up. They said this race will be terrible, and ended up being a good race that Tim Fuller won. And, and then after the race, everybody was hanging out in the pits, and poor Don Vito Clint Smith's crew guy. He got so drunk he had to, you know, he he was in bad shape. Let's just say his pants came down. So a lot of things happened before we even get to this point. This was a very, a very entertaining trip. Uh, but then we finally, we went to, we had a race at Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen, South Dakota. And then there was a day off before a race at Belleville, Kansas. So Chrisman and I, we we got a, a hotel room in, uh, in McCool Junction, Nebraska on a Saturday night. Uh, and we're like, man, we've already been on the road for a week. This is going to be great. We have a night off. We'll just rest. And then our stupidity of racing uh, addiction, I guess, uh, got to us because right down the road from where we were staying, we could see the lights from uh, Junction uh, Junction City uh, Junction City Speedway there, Junction Motors Junction Motor Speedway. Sorry. Uh, it was it looked like a really nice looking track right down the street. They were racing on Saturday night. So we're like, ah, you know what? Let's go over there. We'll catch the feature. We'll just check it out. So we go over there. We check that we check it out. Promoter ends up taking us around the track and gives, takes us through the concession stands, gives us some hot dogs after the night's over. And it's probably about uh, 11, 11 30 when we're leaving and we w- drive out of there as we're leaving Clint Smith, uh, the cat daddy sends us a text and says, hey, come on over to the Donovan, the mid-Nebraska Speedway. There's an NCRA race down here. Uh, they, they had, they had uh, they watered the track so bad that they're way behind schedule. They haven't even run the heat races yet. This is 11 o'clock. And we're like, and it's an hour and a half, two-hour drive over to mid-Nebraska Speedway down the highway. We're like, what are we, why would we go there? That's not. And then, of course, we're dumb enough and we decide to do it. We get stopped by the cops first as we pull out of McCool Junction. Uh, uh, they, they say we're going too fast on the highway or something. So, you know, luckily we got off of that because we said we're going to the race. They like the racing stuff. And we go all the way to uh, mid-Nebraska Speedway. The race runs at like after 2 in the morning. See Kelly Bowen win. We end up sitting in the 
uh, Clint Smith was just there with his crew just watching, and he's the one who sucked us in to go. We did pull a double, so Dustin Jarrett would be very proud, but we ended up getting back to the hotel room at like 4.35 in the morning when we could have been sleeping for that entire seven-hour uh, time. Uh, then we went to Belleville the next day, and it was 100 degrees, and you know we're tired out. And By the time we left that trip, we were zombies, but hey, we got a double in. That was pretty good, right? Kovac, I don't feel bad for you whatsoever. That is your own self-afflicted boondoggle. I mean, you could have been. That's right. That's what the years. definition is, right? Yeah, Derek Pussy, yeah. Pussy got hot dogs. Yeah, Pussy we got, got hot, hot dogs, dogs at the concession stand, right? Right in the story, there got the hot dogs. Uh, yeah. Way to, uh, eating hot dogs to the end, we got hot dogs. So good for both you two eating those uh, America's favorite food on the Fourth of July hot dogs, but. About ready to end this show, but at first we got one more thing, and we're gonna do New Year's resolutions. And I, I'll go first. My New Year's resolution for the upcoming 2022 race season is I will try my hardest not to eat any food at the racetrack because I, I'd rather eat it late night and you know go to the different places. But let's be honest, that thing's only gonna last until about my first race weekend at Volusia when you got all the stands there, you can smell the great fair food, the ice cream stand. So ice cream, might right? Last, yeah. So that mm. might not even last one night, but that was going to be my New Year's resolution is try not to eat as much food at the racetrack. But Volusia, they always got the great eateries there and you can't go wrong with the food they got there. Todd, how about you? Um, my New Year's resolution is to find, uh, Ferry crossings on the flow expense report so I can expense <laughs> that. No, I'm kidding. Um, mine would be uh, um, on Facebook. If you've been friends with me, you might notice that occasionally I'll put a message in somebody's comments that says results question mark. And all my friends are always dogging me about that. So my, my uh, resolution is to completely stop that. Uh, I figured out how, a way to have a second Facebook account so I can deal with my results seeking there because uh, all my non-racing friends are always making fun of me and saying results question mark um so anyway that that will be my news new year's resolution to not uh, clutter up everyone's facebook feed with my seeking of results from racetracks around the country i still think that needs a fat head at fairberry just your nice profile pick with results in the comments. I think that would go over very, very well with the false faithful. Robert, how about you, buddy? I think, uh, you know, my New Year's resolution is definitely work-related and, and and also personal health-related. I'm going to do my, do my best. My New, New Year's resolution would be to get in bed by 5 a.m. after each road trip, like while I'm on the road, which would actually mean usually sometimes it's seven, you know, but if I always feel like if I can get in bed by five and sleep till checkout, which is like 11 at most places, you know, that's a good solid six hours. And that's awesome when you're out on the road. Uh, if you can do get in bed by four, it's even better. So maybe I should make it 4 a.m., which if I can get in, yeah, let's do it. New Year's resolution, be in bed by 4 a.m which would mean, A, I'd get more sleep and I'd just healthier, and B, which means I would have my work done sooner and I wouldn't procrastinate by, like, going, you know, to Taco Bell and sitting there and watching a, a television or something while I'm trying to write a story after I've got back to, to my room. So that's my resolution, be in bed by 4 a.m. When, when I'm out on the road. Robert, you can definitely do that. We don't need a sleepy Robert on the Summer Nationals. We need to get him to bed early, 3.30, 4 a.m. I think you got this, buddy. Maybe not Volusia at the house because I like to ramble on a little bit. So I'll keep that to a bare minimum at the Volusia house because that one year I think we stayed up until 6 a.m. because we are telling, telling some great stories there, but which we can't probably say on this podcast maybe for a later date. Kovac, what do you, what do you got in mind? I know you got a few things you're trying to work on. Man, I Robert basically kind of stole my resolution there too. I, I was thinking the exact same thing to try to uh, have a New Year's resolution of just try to be more efficient after these races are over, not procrastinate. Just just use the Todd Turner efficiency model of man, just 
he he's Todd is just such a machine that he just rips stuff off and I like Robert and I we 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 do we procrastinate right Robert so uh, we like we get we get distracted we need to get more of our we need to get more uh, single minded here and just uh, and being like and get the th- get the story done quicker uh, after a race so that we're not the sun's not coming up so that'd be mine too just just try to try to get a little quicker on the on the on the on the writing afterwards and stay away from Derek in the house too. So I don't, and, and Steve Gigas, if Steve Gigas is around our sports plus video legend, if he's around too, he starts telling stories and that sidetracks me, but, uh, but it, it gets done. That being it, it's, it's part of the fun, I guess, too, as long as it gets done, but we try to be done a little quicker. We, we need, we need our sleep more when we get older. Kevin, is, I, I think, I think we should just eliminate Eliminate Florida from the resolution part because that's just <laughs> yeah. a different animal. You know, when you're at Volusia and you've got those, there's so many distractions there, you know, that, that it's, it's really start the new year's resolution after speed weeks. How about that? I think that's a good idea. Let's do it after that. That's for sure. That's the, that's the regular, that's the, that's the early season. That's spring training and stuff. So we'll, when the regular season starts, we'll, we'll, we'll start. Yeah, if you guys ever come to half of Todd's level on these resolutions, then <laughs> the place will be a much better working environment when we're at these places because it's night and day between you two, Robert and Kovac, to Todd's work, you know, workflow. But it's always a good time to BS with you. That's why we love Arizona. That's why we love Florida. So we're always in houses. It's a great time to uh, get that bonding and uh, great times we always have, maybe going out to lunch or going out to dinner on rainouts. So, by the way, though, our next show, which will be airing, you know, January third, will be previewing. Next time we're all together, we previewing the Wild West Shootout. So that's hard to believe. So everybody, you have a happy New Year. Uh, if you want a New Year's resolution and join the fun with us, maybe tweet at us and give us your ideas for uh, different tips and pointers on how we can get those done. So everybody, have a happy New Year. This is uh, the Dirt Reporters. Mm-hmm.